we get folks who are in leadership positions, in management positions, who are jerks or unskilled or 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 don't feel, or don't feel qualified, and then we're building teams that aren't collaborative, that aren't inclusive, that that just make it no fun to work at a firm. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I am Steve Bretson. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know what it's all about, helping you to be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. And if you're new to Fretson and hearing about what I do, I work with highly ambitious attorneys to help them grow their law practices, um, generally on the business development marketing side through an advanced MBA-style coaching and training program. I also currently run five peer advisory groups, helping them to work as a team so that they don't need me. They just need me to facilitate them helping each other. And that's one of the most wonderful things I get to do is watch lawyers um, sharing ideas, solving problems, and kind of their life experiences working to help each other in a a collaborative, confidential environment. So that's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, so what I'm trying to do with this show is essentially help you be your best version, um, bring in people that are going to inspire you, that are going to you know, share their wisdom, help you become better what you're doing, whether you're an aspiring leader or whether you're currently a leader. Uh, I've got a doozy for you today and Ben Grimes. We had such a great chat prior to this show. How you doing, Ben? Very well. Very well. Great to see you, Steve. Yeah. I mean, I just felt like when we got off the phone, it was like, I don't want to say we're like going to be best friends, but like, well, who knows? Right. But it was like, I just felt like so positive and so inspired and so excited about having you. I was like anxious to see when you were going to schedule to have this conversation. So. We're going to have a great chat today. I want to start off with, as I tend to do, with the uh, quote of the show. And this is the one you sent to me. And then I'm going to ask you, you know, why? Um, Waste no more time arguing about what a good person should be. Be one. And uh, and that's Marcus Aurelius. So wonderful. So so why is that sort of like resonated with you? And why why did you submit that as kind of like the game changing quote? Yeah, I I love that quote. And and to be honest with you, Steve, I I love a lot of quotes from Marcus Aurelius and other Stoics. Stoic philosophy has really struck a, a nerve, uh, struck a chord with me uh, lately in the last few years. And that one in particular is, to me, really motivating. It, it really reminds me and hopefully reminds other folks that it's not about waiting for life to come to you. It's not about waiting for clients to come to you. It's not about waiting for the promotion or the opportunity to come if you want to change your life, if you want to change your um, environment, if you want to change your results, then it, you, it, it's up to you to do it. And that's been a great motivator for me and something that I hope uh, other folks can find uh, some motivation in as well. Well, and I think it also speaks to, you know, being a good person and what, you know, I mean, look, there's a lot of people out there who aren't good and, you know, they're not necessarily you know, they might be successful, but ultimately, you know, they may not have a family that loves them. They may be, everyone's talking about them behind their back because they're just terrible people, whatever it might be. And it's not, I don't know if that's the legacy you want to leave behind. I mean, if, if that's important to you. Yeah. I mean, if you've got, if your environment, if your experience is giving you indications that you're not the person that you want to be, 
then there's no time like now to to do something about it. And and that quote speaks to that as well. Yeah. I also don't want to spend time necessarily with people who are negative or that aren't good people. I've got uh, one guy in particular that I am thinking about who's at my, um, my, my racket club. And like, I can just, everybody's talking about this guy behind his back. Cause he's kind of a, kind of a dick. Uh, <laughs> that's, and, and to be honest with you, Steve, that's part of the reason why I enjoy doing what I do, because I love working with, uh, lawyers and firms to, to like filter out the dicks, right? I mean, to filter <laughs> out the folks who don't know how to be good leaders, how, how to be good managers, how to, how to inspire their teams. And not just, not just the folks who are bad at it, but the folks who want to be better at it. Um, that, that's really, that's really what it's all about for me. Well, I mean, let me ask you this quick, cause we're going to get into the weeds pretty heavily today on leadership, but can someone who's, since we're using the word dick, is can someone that, that is, <laughs> that's maybe not a good person. That's a leader. So let's say an ego driven, kind of not a ni- nice guy necessarily all the time, ranting and raving around the office. Can that person be turned into a good leader? They can if they want to be. Okay. Um, and, and so being a good leader is, is in my mind, largely all about intent. If you've got the right intent, if you intend to be a good leader, a better leader, then yeah, you absolutely can turn the page. And if the, the, the way that you manifest poor leadership is all kind of a result of a lack of skills or a lack of awareness, but you, but you want to do better. Absolutely. If you're a jerk and you don't care, then no, you, you're not going to turn the page. Yeah. People don't change unless they, they want to change. They can't be told to change or, or, or worse to change. Um, Ben, we need to get into your background before we go forward talking about leadership because you have one of the most amazing and unique backgrounds of, of really anyone I've interviewed on the show. So I think it would it would make a lot of sense to talk a little bit about your background, a little bit about your be that lawyer tipping point moving into the the questions I've got prepared for you today. So yep. um, where do you want to start with that? I'll start at the beginning, right? <laughs> uh, I grew up in central Pennsylvania and you know, listening to this conversation, you don't know it. I'm a biracial kid, right? So my dad was black, my mom was white. I was raised in central Pennsylvania in the heart of Pennsylvania Dutch country, which is not exactly the most diverse or progressive area in the world. And that influenced the way I grew up. And I also grew up uh, pretty poor. I was the oldest of four kids being raised by a single parent social worker. So not a lot of opportunities growing up. But as I was leaving high school, I had a great opportunity and applied to go to West Point. Uh, the United States Military Academy, largely because it was free and largely because I didn't know how to go to college otherwise. Uh, But I got in, which was great, and it was not the easiest experience, uh, but that that opportunity to go to West Point changed my life for sure. And so I graduated from West Point, went out to be a helicopter pilot and platoon leader in the Army, progressed uh, in rank and responsibility in the Army, Went to law school on the Army's dime through a program that the Army has to pay for law school, um, and then spent the balance of my career before retiring from the Army as a military attorney, where I did all kinds of stuff uh, on both sides of the courtroom. I taught at an LLM program for three years for the Army and uh, finished out my military service doing intelligence law. So a real wide uh, range of practice, practical experience in addition to the leadership experience that I got there. And then after retiring, I went and um, worked in federal government at the Department of Justice. 
doing professional responsibility and legal ethics work. And I really love that because there are a lot of parallels, I think, to being a good leader and officer. And, uh, and now I'm taking all of that experience and all of that legal ethics nerdness into my practice as a leadership and executive coach for lawyers. You a fan of Pat Conroy? Uh, I don't know Pat Conroy. Oh, my God. Oh, you have to read his books. Unbelievable okay. writer. Pat Conroy, everybody. Remember, you know, Prince of Tides, that's one of them. Yes. And, uh, yes. and there's, but, you know, military, you know, he writes a lot about, you know, there's one, uh, I think about West Point, people argue that he, he was not well liked at West Point because he wrote about some of the, it was fiction. But anyway, guys, check out Pat Conroy. And so how does, so all of that leads to your, the founder of BKG Leadership. And tell us what you're doing with lawyers and law firms with your company, and then we'll get into some questions I have. Yeah. So with the company, I am working directly with lawyers and law firms to build leadership, competence, and capacity. So in an ideal world for me, we take a cohort of new partners or rising leaders in the firm, and we do a combination of one-on-one coaching and workshops to build both the, the critical skills of leadership as well as the mindset of leadership. And so the one-on-one coaching is really geared towards developing that leader's mindset and leader's practice and the skills facilitate the practice on the ground. Yeah. And all skills not taught in law school, you know, similar to my space, you know, business development, marketing, yeah. social media, right? So, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're sometimes pushed and, you know, the, the old, the old thing used to be in my old sales days was they take the best salesmen and they'd say, hey, you're really good at sales. You should now manage the sales team, right? That was like the standard course of action. And it usually failed because, right, totally different skills. And I think a lot of lawyers are getting thrown into leadership roles on committees and other, and other such things where, you know, it's like they don't know how to manage. They've never managed people. You know, they barely can manage a, an assistant, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because we, we traditionally promote the people who are the great brief writers or the, the, the great uh, argue, you know, uh, present a great argument at, at trial or can negotiate the great contract or do whatever due diligence and M&A work. It's like whatever the practical substantive work is, if you're good at it, you're going to get promoted to manage those who are doing it. And we don't teach those skills. We don't, we don't appreciate those skills. And what happens then is we get folks who are in leadership positions, in management positions, who are jerks or unskilled or, 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 don't, fe- or don't feel qualified. And then we're building teams that aren't collaborative, that aren't inclusive, that that just make it no fun to work at a firm. Yeah. And again, if if it's all coming down to the leadership represents the culture, the leadership represents, you know, is this a, is this a place I want to work and want to spend my career in, right? And so why people jump for money, why people jump you know, to go off solo, and it, and it's there's a lot of different reasons, but I think a lot of it has to come back to leadership. So. It, we, I think we have some aspect of knowledge of why leadership is so hard for lawyers, again, to the, to the point where they're being thrown into those roles without training. Any other thoughts on, on why lawyers maybe either tend to be bad at leadership or why it's so hard for them to become really, really good at it? Yeah, we're, we're trained not to do it, right? Not only are we promoted into positions of leadership because of our substantive skills, we're also trained away from kind of critical capacities for leadership. And what I mean by that is we're trained to do things ourselves. Like all through, we spend three years at law school learning how to do everything yourself. Then we go out and you do the research, you do the writing, you do the proofing, 
you do the argument, you do the depositions. And the whole goal of those processes is for you to do it. If you're the associate prepping for the deposition, your goal is to do the deposition yourself. It's not to create a team or a system that's going to be able to systematize or, or make this effective across a cohort. And so we're training ourselves not to be good leaders because of the way we practice law. That's really interesting. And are there traits that law firms should be looking for outside of substantive work and you know, being a great litigator or things that we think might be traits for leadership? But, but what are the actual real traits that firms should be looking for in finding the leaders of the future and, and getting them you know, in a position for success? Yeah. For me, it comes down to kind of four fundamental pillars of leadership or capacities for leadership and, and their trust, transparency, empathy, and passion. Um, you have to have passion for the work. That's kind of a given. But the others are not as intuitive in ter not as intuitive a capacity for leadership. Trust maybe is you have to be able to build and facilitate trust on your team. But in order to do that, you also need transparency. And that's for me, both transparency of information. So the information flow needs to be smooth and routine, but also transparency about who you are and uh, the your ability uh, and comfort be coming to the, to, to the work as your authentic self. When you can demonstrate the ability to do that, then you make it okay for other people to do that. And that, that changes the whole dynamic of the environment. And then empathy is the other critical capacity, I think, for leaders, because it, it's not enough to know, to, to logically know and understand what somebody else is going through. You have to be able to appreciate the emotion of what it is to to be them, whether that's your teammate at work or your client, even your corporate clients, because your corporate clients are all represented by individual people. And so being able to empathize with them and their situation and the internal dynamics that they have to deal with, all of that is important. Those are uh, critical capacities for leadership that I think firms should be looking for as they they kind of groom their their younger attorneys. And is there um, like a a s steps where we can practice before we push our chips in. So like maybe making someone a leader of a practice group before getting them on the executive committee or before getting them into a managing partner role or something like that. The most important thing for me when it comes to, to leadership is to recognize that, that it's not all about titles and positions. Those things are absolutely important. And you know, your firm management, executive committees, your practice group leads, those are all really big positions, but we should be practicing leadership and thinking about leadership at much lower levels to, to start with. And so your associates who are working with paralegals, yeah, they're leading paralegals. They're doing peer leadership as they're doing research projects together. Your junior partners are doing leadership when they're managing small trial teams, when they're part of a client engagement team or leading a client engagement team, that's leadership. Even if they don't have a corner office or a card that, that says practice group lead on it. Right. Hey, everybody, check this out. You've just had a call with a client where they need help with something you don't do. You've reached out to colleagues, you've searched the lawyer directories, and you simply tell them you don't know anyone that can help. Overture changes all of that. Overture is the first private attorney network designed for the country's best independent attorneys to refer matters to one another and ethically share in referral fees. It's a great way to keep your clients happy and build your practice with referred clients. It's by the founders of LegalZoom. Membership is free if you're accepted, but act now to get priority access to referrals for your state and practice area. 
Apply for membership at overture.law, overture.law. Okay, let's take a quick break to talk about how Moneypenny is changing the game for lawyers who are losing business every day and may not even realize it. It's impossible to provide amazing client service when you have phone trees, voicemail jail, or untrained staff handling your phones. Every inbound call could be a new client to intake properly or an opportunity lost. With Moneypenny, it's all but insured. The call will be handled exactly the way you want it every time. To take immediate action on this, write down this email and start your free trial. It's svj at moneypenny.com and just mention my name in the subject line. Lawyers, there's an easy way to boost your law practice. Partner with Get Visible, the digital marketing agency that makes you stand out. Meet Sarah, an awesome lawyer, but a terrible marketer. Get Visible helped her build a powerful website and boost her online visibility. Now she ranks high on Google, gains clients through ads and engaging content. Tired of feeling insignificant? Make it rain. Visit GetVisible.com and stand out. And someone that's, that's maybe not a leader right now and is considering, let's say, expanding the firm. So I want to bring in some attorneys. I want to, I've got the revenue. I want to but they don't have that experience in leading. What are some things that they need to consider touching up on to to prepare for for managing and, and leading people? Yeah, I think there are two things to get ready for. Number one is understand the your firm. Understand your firm. What what does your firm stand for? What are the values that your firm stands for? And and they they can run the gamut from your kind of social justice purposes to like, we're just here to make money and that's like what we're doing. But you have to understand what your firm stands for. And then you have to make sure that your firm's values are aligned with your policies, practices, and actual behaviors on the ground. Because it's one thing to say that we value work-life balance and the individual attorneys who are participating on the team, if that's not actually how it plays out. And we expect you to be on call 24 seven and like actually answer emails at three in the morning. That's inconsistent with the, the espoused values. And so you have to understand the values and align the firm a, along those values, values. But then the other thing, particularly for like solos or small firms that want to expand is know yourself, really understand what's important to you and be prepared to bring your off, be authentic at work. And that doesn't mean like share every, um, personal detail about your life. Right. Every, every weird thought. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't have, you don't have to like talk about what you had for, for dinner Tuesday night, but you do have to be yourself. You have to be able to come to work without a mask on, without, uh, without a figurative mask on, because you want your team to be able to do that as well. If, if they're not doing that, they're going to stop coming to work, right? They're going to look for someplace else. And so you have to know yourself. So know your firm, know yourself, and then you'll be ready to expand. And if I don't know if you could take it a step further, but even like what inspires people to want to work for a leader? I think that's the other piece is like, yeah, I can go find an employee to do a job, but if I really want to get the most out of anybody, whether that's a paralegal, an attorney, or, or a virtual assistant, I need to be inspiring. I need to, they, I need to have that you know, that the confidence in the direction that they want to follow me, how do I, is that yeah. something that people just have, or is that something they can learn? So th I think that there are two ways to, to look at that, uh, look at the inspiration and, and loyalty. Cause what you're getting at is loyalty. 
Okay. How do you how do you generate loyalty in your team? And one way to do it is to be a really emotional, inspiring kind of speaker and leader and invest a lot of passion into how you communicate. That's one way. And and you see that with a lot of great, you know, a lot of great public speakers are inspiring because they're good good public speakers. We don't know anything about them, but they inspire us to do to take action. The other thing uh, the other way to do it and I think for small teams this is really critically important, the other way to inspire loyalty is to be it to, is to generate trust on the team. And the way that you generate trust is manifold, right? But you have to do it by treating people with respect and and then following through on taking care of them. And and that again, that has a lot of different facets to it. How do you take care of somebody um, who's on your team who works for you? But when you are able to operate with trust and generate trust within your team, that is inspiring. That's what makes people want to work with you and for you because they know that you're looking that they're gonna that you are also looking out for them. So I'm going to share something a little bit personal, but I mean, years ago when I was thinking about building a multi-million dollar business and and I had 13 employees, I had three offices, I had huge overhead, and I was an inspiring leader in my own in my own mind, and I guess what people were telling me, but I wasn't really happy. I was finding myself disappointed in other people's performance. I didn't have the time or capacity to really work on it at the level, and I feel like I was, I had a choice to make. I either had to improve as a leader or I had to stream myself back down to what I really loved doing, which was coaching people on sales, business development, and and really going back to kind of being a one-man operation, which is ultimately what I did. I just, just made a decision that there's two ways to grow business. One is to build an enterprise. The other is to build a highly profitable, small you know business where there's a lot more flexibility and you can focus. I'm just guess I'm getting at, I just decided that I'm still a leader in my space. I'm a leader in, in my clients and in helping them to develop. I just didn't want to have employees and I didn't want to lead employees. Is that okay? Is that a, a decision that I made that I don't regret it by the way, but I'm just saying like, did I, is that is that okay for someone to figure out, hey, I don't really want to lead people or I don't really want to have employees and manage people? So you answered the question I was going to ask, which is, well- <laughs> Oops. Do you regret the, Do you regret regret your decision? Because if you don't, then yeah, that's a that's a great. I a hundred percent don't regret it, and I think you know there's a lot of things that that we can unpack if we wanted yeah. to bet on that. Yeah. But ultimately, my energy is so laser focused on my clients and helping them to be successful. And by the way, I have the most amazing life in the sense of family, in the sense of time, in the sense of independence and freedom, and all those things. And sometimes you don't get that when you have a 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 person organization. I mean, some people do because that's something you could, you would help them set up, right? Is yeah. how do you have all those things and, you know, still lead, yeah. lead a huge team. But what you're getting at, uh, Steve, is exactly kind of what we touched on earlier in that you don't need a title. You're still doing leadership daily, right? With me, right? You're leading this conversation with your other clients. You're still doing leadership daily. And you don't need a title. You don't need employees. You don't need a a sprawling six campus network of of offices. What you what you need is the intent, and what you need is the focus. And what you need are some of the skills that create trust, transparency, empathy, demonstrate passion. You've got all of those things. 
And when you've got all those things, you're leading. And for folks who are thinking about folks who are in a situation like you were a few years ago, trying to figure out, well, I'm not happy growing. I'm not happy managing. You can still be a leader uh, without managing. And, you know, it, it, next time I'm on, we can talk about the difference between leadership and management. But, but the real bottom line is you can be a leader without being a manager. All right. Well, we, I want to have you on again, but can you give me the, the 60 second rundown of difference between management and leadership? Because I think that's an important, an important thing to define. We can have a separate show on that, Ben. I'm not, I'm not rejecting that idea, but I'm saying like, I think it's important for people to understand, you know, management and leadership and how they intersect or how they don't. Yeah. Management is all about keeping the trains running on time. It's about moving the paperwork. It's about approving people's leave or pay state, or, you know, the, their pay. Um, it's about keeping the trains running. That's management. Leadership is, as you, as you alluded to, it's about inspiration. It's about helping people find the reason to do what they need to do or want to do. It's about finding the inspiration to tackle the hard challenges or to, to do things that are, that are otherwise seem outside of their abilities. That's leadership. Yeah. And I think there's a big problem with lawyers trying to do both. They're wearing both hats and by the way, they're billing hours and by the way, they have to make it rain. So now there's four, five, six, seven hats on one person, really a big problem, especially in legal. Again, back to the first thing you said, which is, you know, lawyers are trained to do everything themselves when in fact, it couldn't be further from, I think, the truth of what they really need to do, which is you know, focus and delegate. Yeah. And, and that's a piece of, that's a piece of trust, right? I mean, that's a piece of trusting yourself to know your limits and trusting other people to support you. Yeah. When you can demonstrate that by asking for support, you will reap the benefits in terms of loyalty a uh, hundred times over. And I think one of the best things that's happening today, maybe versus 10 or 20 years ago, is that you can delegate a lot of the management, the bookkeeping, the paralegal work, the stuff that you can sort of get on autopilot mm -hmm. and not have to manage people. Like it can be an outsourced company, it can be an outsourced, you know, person who maybe isn't even under your W two, right? That'll that you again, you have to train them up properly, but get them to the point where that just runs the trains on time and allows you to then focus on what your passion is. Yeah. Wow, man, that's awesome. So what? So all right, so pe people listening, they're going, look, this all sounds great. What does it mean to my business to be a better leader? To, what's the ROI, for example, yeah. on leadership training, on leadership, just being a better leader? What does that come back to the individual and as it relates to ROI? Yeah. So a couple, a couple, different, a couple different returns on that leadership investment. First off, for individuals, there is a well-being return. You talked about being unhappy growing your business. Yeah. Managing a lot of people. Managing a lot of folks. Investing time into becoming a better and more proficient leader makes it easier to do that, makes you happier, makes it uh, easier to find that work-life balance. And so individual well-being goes through the roof when yeah. you are more comfortable leading. Uh, the well-being of your team goes through the roof when they are on a team that they ins feel inspired about, that they trust. So you're the associates that you're that you're leading, your, your peers, everybody's well-being goes up. More tangibly, when we talk about well-being, well particularly in, uh, in firms, so mid-size and larger firms in particular, 
the turnover rate, as you know, is sky high. And when people are happier, they're less likely to be leaving. And every, and you know, you know, the, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the numbers, right? On turnover, every month that you keep somebody on board is a month of profit that you're not giving up. And so even if you keep them on, keep them on four months longer than they would have stayed otherwise, you've just saved, but depending on the size of your firm, anywhere from 200,000 to a million dollars in profit, which is insane. If you're looking at the modest investment of your time, effort, and, and resources that go into making you a better leader. Yeah. And when you multiply that across the firm, it's ridiculous. And then the, uh, the last piece of this, of course, is client development and client management, client relationship uh, building. Because when you're a better leader, when you're able to operate with trust and transparency, when you're able to express empathy with your clients, you're going to find them more frequently, find them more easily, keep them happier, and maintain that relationship lo longer term. Yeah, I sometimes feel like lawyers are stepping over dollars to grab pennies. You know, they're 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 really tough making investments, business development, marketing, mm. leadership. I mean, they're they're one of the toughest industries. I you know, I'm su not surprised, but I'm I'm happy that I'm successful in it. But it's it is tough. I mean, they're very analytical, risk adverse. I mean, there's things that lawyers you know this. I mean, more than me, I'm not a lawyer, so there you go. But I. <laughs> But I look, I mean, I, you know, it, it, it can be very challenging because they don't necessarily see the ROI when they should be because that's, that's, but it's, it's hard to tell someone, here's what the ROI is. They need to kind of think, like come up with it themselves in many cases. Yeah. I think lawyers are very, as you say, very analytical and not trained as business people. And so sometimes it's hard to see the chain of consequence of making a modest investment to reap a, a much bigger reward down the road. Well, that's just, Hey, people learn from mistakes. I've got a teenager at home who, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll get, you know, punched in the face five times before he decides to duck. You know, that's his, yeah. that's his, yeah. that's his jam, but, but it, it seems to work for him. <laughs> seems to work for him. Anyway, everybody loves my teenager, Andrew. He's the best. All right. Listen, man, thank you so much. We're going to, we're going to wrap things up with, with, so we changed it from game changing book to game changing podcast. We're kind of slowly moving over from that. And the podcast that you submitted, and I love this for myself personally, and then for others, some of my best friends are. And so yeah. tell us about that podcast and, and kind of where, what you're getting out of it and, and why you love it so much. So this is a real, so this is not law related or anything, but uh, some of my best friends are, is a podcast from Pushkin Industries, which is the home of Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History podcast, which is also great. But some of my best friends are, is, is two best friends, one black, one white, who grew up together in in Chicago, outside of Chicago. And now they are both, one's a historian, one is a journalist. They're both authors. They're like really big brain people. And they are talking about why we as a society kind of can't get along. And it's really interesting topics through seen through the macro lens of kind of society, but also the micro lens of their relationship together. Yeah. Um, so really interesting conversations. Oh, very cool. Well, everybody check that out. I think that's really cool. And of course, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. We've got, uh, of course, Money Penny, who's helping you just crush it on not only the um, intake process using their virtual receptionist, but also you know, doing the live chat on your website. And of course, Get Visible, uh, who's just uh, cranking it out. They're doing some great work for me and great work for attorneys all over the country. And of course, we've got Overture.law. Uh, you know, Overture Law, just crushing it, helping attorneys make money and hand out work in, in, in an ethical way. They're just the rock stars in their space. 
Um, get involved with them now before it's too late. You can get your your own state and practice area locked up, and uh, you just have to check out Overture.Law. Um, ben, if people want to reach out to you and check out BKG Leadership, what's the best uh, way for them to reach you? Yeah, well, you can check me out at bkgleadershipcoaching.com. Obviously, on LinkedIn, Ben Grimes, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Reach out to me there or directly by email at ben at bkgleadershipcoaching.com. Well, this is exactly the interview I thought we were going to have, which is you know highly interactive, highly intelligent on your side, at least, and uh, and a little bit of fun too. So I just want to tell you how much I appreciate this. And the legal industry needs a lot, all right. And that's a lot of the show covers that, and leadership is absolutely one of the you know the top you know areas where I think you know there needs to be an investment made, there needs to be thought put behind it. So just just thank you so much for doing what you do and and being in the space. Yeah, you bet. I really enjoyed talking with you, Steve. Yeah, awesome. And hey, everybody, thank you for spending time uh, today with Ben and I. Uh, again, hopefully taking some uh, great notes as long as you're not driving or walking your dog, but giving some thought to the, to the conversation. And, you know, whether you're a solo looking to grow or you're, you're, at, you're looking to become a leader or you currently are a leader, these are all important things to consider uh, to be your best version and be that lawyer, by the way, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Take care, everybody. Be safe, be well, and we will talk again real soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.